You're tuned to Ventura Vibes. We're going to cover everything happening in Ventura. And it is Spence and Spencer and Spencer McKenzie. we got the Spences and Spencers all around here. Spencer, a good morning. Where are we going to start today? Oh, Spence, I'm so stoked with cool people, tasty food, and fun times in the 805. I'm stoked to have John Carrion in the studio today. Today, Talk about his very established, successful business and Spencer McKenzie's world-famous fish tacos. On top of that, John and his team in the last few years not only are serving the fish tacos, they've created the largest cornhole tournament in the world. So John's going to come here and give his details how it's going to be located at the Ventura County Fairgrounds this year coming up for the Throwdown Cornhole Tournament. Now, John, uh, we had a chance to talk briefly before we started the podcast today, and I just want to get into the beginnings of you in business uh, pretty fascinating road that you traveled to get where you are today. You're an independent guy. What did you start out with as your career? Well, first I want to say I expect the radio voice, this is a podcast, out of, out of you, Spence, but I'm impressed by Spence's radio voice. It's uh-huh. natural. He's a natural. He learns quickly, and he is a natural communicator here. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, with all of the Spences in one room at one time, let's get yeah. the startup for you in, as your career. All right. Well, uh, I started. I actually on my restaurant we started a little channel that, that, and I started doing this where I kind of showed the back history of myself and the business. And so um, I've always been a fisherman. I grew up fishing. My dad took me fishing from a little kid. I told the story. My dad would tie me to the pier when I was a kid. So I loved to fish. And uh, I, um, when I was eighteen, my my one of my teachers, and when I graduated, I went down to Baja with him fishing. And I fell in love with fish tacos and ceviche and, you know, that culture. Um, so I started working construction. And at an early age, I, I've always kind of had that entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit. So I uh, started my own construction company young, but I always wanted to have a fish taco cart. So uh, I got married and um, my wife knew that I had this dream of, of having a fish taco cart and we, in 2007, we bought a trailer. There was no, no LA food, no, you know, it was just, it was just, they called them roach coaches basically back then, right? I worked <laughs> enough construction so, to be involved with no, the roach coach. The, yeah, there, so there was no gourmet food trucks at the time. So we had two little kids. Spencer was three, McKenzie was one. So we named the business Spencer McKenzie's. Now we know. Now we know. So we started the first year of business with the trailer. Um, and kind of a tough business to get into. So I get this beautiful trailer, but then now how do you get in events? They already have people that have been in these events. There's only so many spots. I applied to the Ventura County Fair, and Barbara, um, who's in charge of the fairgrounds down there, actually came to see the trailer and met my family and uh, tried the food, and she put me in the fair. So the Ventura County Fair, you know, maybe it wasn't the very first event we did. It was in the first couple of months, but that's where it all started. And we built, we really built the reputation off of the, off the community and the, the fair. So it helped us open up the location, which is where it is now, uh, down on Thompson. And so it wasn't, that's not an easy business. The restaurant business is not easy. One thing I've been talking about uh, on a radio show is this uh, Foods That Built America. Mm -hmm. And it's a great, great series. And one of the things they have, they're talking to restaurant people, and this is from Domino's to Pizza Hut to KFC, the biggest of the big McDonald's. And the one guy, when he says, somebody comes up to me and they say, I want to open a restaurant, he stares at him and says, 
good luck because yeah. it is a yeah. very tough business. Now, I got to ask you and show the, how brave your family was, especially look into this. You had a successful construction business. You were making a living. You were making money. And yeah. even your wife said, hey, let's try it. Let's jump into this food truck and, and start a food business. That's a bold move. It's a bold move. It's very bold. And so and this is where the humble beginnings come from. So in 2008-9, we went into a recession Construction was very difficult. So the first year I owned the restaurant, we were negative $100,000 from the income that came in. hundred grand. That's the south side of bad. And, uh, and then construction was slow. So I'm working construction. I'm doing the restaurant. I'm grinding. You know, so it was, it really, really builds a man's character. Trust me. Um, but we, uh, you know, we worked, we worked hard and, and, I look at it like it wasn't just my my wife and my crew, and but it was a whole community. So I learned very, from the very beginning: be involved in the community. It will come back. Give, 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 and it will come back. And so, um, we've always done a lot, you know, and been involved in in the community, everything that we can. And then it just to me, Spencer McKenzie's isn't my family's; it's the whole community's. It's like a, it's it's a very popular place in town. And now I've been in business long enough that I see, you know, the generations, right? The kids that were little kids. Now they have kids already and they're bringing their kids in and maybe it makes me feel old. I don't, I don't know, but it's really, it's super, it's super cool. And that's how, you know, Spence and I met just from the community and uh, I've always loved giving back to the community and it, you know, if you do it unselfishly, it comes back to you. It builds the, it builds a business. It's a partnership. And it's good for your character. It's like say everything's great here. The other thing, along with uh, you know guests, people coming, customers, you probably have the kid that started out that now went through high school, went through college. You know, you're also an employer in the yeah. community. So we, we you, have seventy employees, two locations. We have two locations. Give so, us the locations. Uh, one in Ventura, one in Camarillo. So the cool thing is, I had a meeting with my manager the other day, and I was explaining about about the business and the employees and said you have to look at um you have uh, you have employees that are going to be this is their career and then you have employees that are going to it's a stepping stone they're young that's maybe their first job or so it's there's opportunities for for everybody and um i when i was having this meeting we're talking about these kids where it's their first job and some of the older employees don't understand, like they, it's, they're nervous. They never had a job before. And you got to realize that their parents, this is my philosophy in business, their, their mom and dad, that's a soccer mom, right? So what do you want them to do? You want them to go home and tell mom how great it is working Spencer McKenzie's. Mom's going to go tell everybody down at the baseball field. They go home and say, oh, I don't like working down there. It's, you know, it's, I don't like the, the people I work around are mean to me. And they're going to go say, oh, they don't like work. That is an impact on the business. So we need to, it's in your best interest to make these kids successful, right? And make them, make them learn, learn something and learn their first job, but also go out and promote the business. They're running the business on the, on the sleeve, right? That's what makes a business successful. I love this place is what you want to hear. And when the kids are happy, they're making money, they're learning a skill, uh, Great thing about restaurant is not only are you learning a process and a system, but you're dealing directly with the public. And that's uh, two skills that a kid learns when he goes restaurant. I yeah. think it's great. Let's go full circle with that because up at Foothill Little League here in Ventura, I had the opportunity of talking to John with Spencer McKenzie's of having his son come up and volunteer at my snack shack 
We did a volunteer program through Foothill High School where the kids could come up about three years ago. So here's this young man, and we joke around with my name being Spencer and being from a young, uh, not young anymore, but from a local business. Now here's this new kid who has my name on his best fish stop coming into my <laughs> snack shack. So I said, hey, little Spence, come here. And we hit it off right away. It was such a cool relationship between Big Spence and Little yeah. Spence. And you would have thought maybe he has all the food knowledge and stuff, but he was just like a great, young, raw, greenhorn kid. We were making popcorn together. We were kind of learning the ins and outs of customer service. Let's fast forward three years later. Guess who's working at Spencer McKenzie's as a busboy? Oh, it's Spencer himself. So yeah. John has his son working the levels of the work. You see him out there busting the tables, mm -hmm. working the food. And so that's what's so exciting about having John and having a small business owner in here, creating that opportunity, not only for our youth, but for our community to eat healthy yeah. and to be an experience. Because I don't know about you, but when someone comes to the city of Ventura, you want to offer good food, awesome vibes, and the beach. Right? So what do you do? You got to be frothy for that. You got to froth the Stokes, Bess. <laughs> and you get it to where you park at Ash. Mm -hmm. And then if you want, you go across the railroad tracks, you go over to the pier, right? And if before, you can come to Spencer McKenzie's before that. And that's an environment that John was creating to have the worthiness of putting world's famous fish tacos. I mean, because in order to put world famous fish tacos, you better be able to back it up. And that's what this business has done. Yeah, you got to play. Now, the other thing about it and talk about healthy food. Absolutely. But the great thing about any fish place is you can go 100 percent protein health or yeah. you can get a little gooey and fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And every once in a while, you got to you got to throw down the fries and the good battered fish. Because yeah. I'm I'm all about that. So that's a good thing. When you take somebody there, it doesn't matter where they are on their diet. They're, they're going to find something that fits perfectly. Now, we've got to do a big jump segue here. So Spencer McKenzie's humble beginnings, you know, working at the fair and working at um, you know, different fairs throughout, you know, different events throughout the county. Coachella, Stagecoach. Those are the big wow. ones we did. Yeah, we did oh. those for 10 years. Who's the most famous person that came up in, in Coachella? Did you have any, any of the artists oh, come up? Lots of them. But, you know, what's amazing is the way that, and going back to business, the owners of that, I know you only have so much time. So the way that I got in Coachella was I was at the Warp Tour in Ventura, mm -hmm. and a gentleman came up and said, I want to order a fish taco. So I ran out of fish. And he said, you can't run out of fish at an event. I said, well, oh. the first last year I did was my first year here. And the kids really didn't want the fish. They wanted chicken strips and fries. And um, we didn't have it was we just started. So we didn't have a reputation yet. So the next year, people knew about the fish tacos. We sold out. So I said, let me make you a fish taco, but with chicken strips. Just so you can see how it's made. He eats it. And he goes, this is amazing. He goes, I'm going to give you my card. Call call this number and my girl's going to put you if you want at a Jack Johnson concert next weekend in wow. UCLA. And if you do that, I'll put you in Coachella. It was a, it was the owner of Coachella and the person that runs all their food. When you're down there at Coachella, the, the, all the top dogs like the owners of the festival, I mean, this is a massive festival. They walk around like regular people. They'll come in line and, and eat and cause they'll keep an eye on their, yeah, sure. On their event. Right. So, I, you know, I don't, most famous. I mean, I've met Paul McCartney down there. Well, met, he's I mean, famous. He's famous. I, he was I, in a band called the Beatles yeah, and yeah, Wings. Yeah. So I, we got to meet a lot of. Pretty huge. We got to meet a lot of. <laughs> Pretty uh, huge. My daughter's first concert, she really, when McKenzie was little, they came down because it was Easter weekend. And so the first probably live concert she saw was when Lord was really popular. Oh, yeah. And McKenzie was standing on the golf cart on the side of the stage watching Lord with. 80,000 people out in the crowd. So that was kind of cool. A little Pretty pokey good. ahi roll in hand yeah, right that's there. Cool. <laughs> that's awesome. Now let's go from all of that 
cornhole. Cornhole. And Let's that, talk. All right. So the magic word you mentioned it, the throw down. The throw down. Let's go, so, John. In 2010, I uh, had a, a, a friend of mine, all these bands that come in the restaurant, Chris J., a friend of mine that would always come in, said, you need to do an old school block party where you block the street off and you have bands. And so we did it. And it cost quite a bit of money um, to do it. You could have police officers and fencing. And so after it was over, I'm like, well, it's, it's cool, but for two days of music from noon to 10 at night, like something else has to happen during the day to have. So the next year we did a small cornhole tournament, 2011. Cornhole's not, not a mainstream thing across America. We sold out like 48 teams. The next year we had a, added a little more money to the pot, had 64 teams, 2012. In 2013, now it's became a cornhole tournament, not a music festival. It's a cornhole tournament. I coined it, the, you know, it's the throwdown. We put a little bit of money up. We had a team from Arizona come, and they won. 2014. Can we talk prize out. money yet? So at yeah. that point, what was the prize for okay, the so folks? So in the very beginning, it was a $300. That in 2013, uh, we went to $3,000. That Ooh. started pulling people, right? So... Isidro from the East Coast, he sees this, he hears about it, and he goes, well, there's nobody in California. California, cornhole, nobody could beat me. I can buy a plane ticket for this much, right? Two plane tickets, a hotel room, and we're going to get a free vacation and go home with 1500 bucks, right? And yeah. he did. And, and then he didn't tell anybody. And the next year, he won again. Then the word got out there. The <laughs> pot gets bigger, right? So it's... Now, at that point, the largest cornhole tournament on the West Coast in the very beginning turned into the largest cornhole tournament in the world by 2015. Wow. So um, we had it on the street until 2018. And I just it got to the point where um, it's a big impact on the neighbors. It's it's maybe not the best thing to have it on the on the street and the crowds that are coming and to grow it. I need to move it. So I moved it to the park across from us. We went to 376 teams. I think it was about $6,000 in prize money that year for first place. Uh, 2020, we sold out. In 60 minutes, we sold out 600 spots. For how much, John, each spot? $225. Okay. Um, and the purse at that point was? The purse at that point was 100 80,000 or something, but it didn't happen because of COVID. So we did a little small thing at COVID. Just, I had like, because COVID was going on, I just invited the previous winners and we had like a 16 person tournament just on, you know, private at a friend of mine's ranch. And then last year we said, okay, we're going to open it back up. And I didn't think I was going to be able to get a permit from the city because of COVID. So I knew I could get a permit at the fairgrounds. So I said, okay, we're going to, we're going to move it to the fairgrounds. Um, we took it to 1,000 teams. We opened up 1,000 signups. How many judges? How does that well, is hurting cats? It's crazy. So we sold out 900 spots last year. Because of COVID, 740 teams showed up. Just all the, you know, we didn't know until May we we're going to have it. So biggest cornhole tournament in the world. You can go onto our social media and see the, it's amazing. We had 160 sets, you know, courts. Uh, so last year, first place took home $30,000. $30,000. That's, 
over $200,000 in payout. So this year, we um, now this year we have, it's sold out. There might be one or two spots left. So if you go on the website now, you might still be able to get a spot, but it's, it's, I know there's over a thousand spots sold. So there's a thousand twenty four team tournament. Oh, we're getting in, Spence. Three hundred thousand dollars in prize money. That's crazy. Three hundred thousand dollars in prize money. When I first heard of Cornhole quite a long time ago, we, we do a lot of events with the radio station. And one of the things you always want to have people give them something to do when they come to your booth. So one of the kids here said cornhole. And I said, that's the dumbest idea I ever heard in my life. It was a few years <laughs> back. They said these two things. We had a line of people. There is a fascination of throwing that what appears to be a bean bag. How, how many feet? Uh, I think it's 27 feet from... From, from, throat, front to front, yeah. from front to front of board. It was, and then I got caught up in it. And I was just doing the, the softball underhand. Yeah. Then I see these people frisbeeing it. This is a crazy game that has really yeah. taken uh, the so country and the world by storm. It's amazing for Ventura. So it's the largest cornhole tournament and festival. I, it, I created the first, I wanted to be like a chilla, a cornhole. It's a festival. Corn we have music. We have, cornchilla. We have bands we have music last year we had i think saturday there were 7500 people there it was always free um when i moved it to the fairgrounds i had to do something to i the production cost so much i can't you i can't just you know lose money anymore and say that it's for marketing it's just too massive so um it, it's 20 dollars to get in you know we have we have a huge stage bands you know beer booths that you can play corner you don't have to be in the tournament anybody can come play in many tournaments, anybody and play and and we have vendors and you can buy cornhole stuff. So it's it's definitely corn chilla. But this year, I partnered with the ACL, who has the, they're the largest cornhole league in America. They're the ones you see on ESPN. We uh, we are televising on national television on Friday on CBS. The, uh, I'm hosting one of their tournaments, a pro shootout, um, and. Then on Sunday, we're probably going to be streaming for ESPN3 for on my, at my tournament. So they'll be live streaming all weekend long. There'll be national television on Friday. It's, it's really put Ventura on the map. In the cornhole world, you talk to anybody in any state in the United States and you ask them about the throwdown, they're all going to say Ventura, California on the beach. It's amazing. Registered trademark, we hope. It's a yes, it's Good amazing. Good for you. See, he's a businessman. The, Why did the I? The ACL ask? has we have a huge following and a huge social media. The ACL has a massive, they have hundreds of thousands of people. So when I do these videos and put it out there and they reshare it, a half a million people across the nation are looking at videos of and talking about Ventura, California. It's in for the city, it's incredible. For the you know, there's gonna we're gonna bring ten thousand people three days in a row to Ventura this summer. Think of the hotels. Gotta wrap this one up. Great topic, Spencer. And let's get the uh, uh the address for the locals here. Uh, maybe some people listening out in Simi Valley, Thousand Oaks, uh, up in Santa Barbara who wanna learn more about your fantastic restaurants and the cornhole tournament. Where are your locations? Thompson Avenue in Ventura and in Camarillo, we're across from. I just use In and Out because it's a staple, right? So we're across from In and across the freeway from In and Out in Camarillo. Um, so if they go, just go to the website. They'll see. They can get all the information on the website. Just go to spencermckenzie's.com and they'll, they'll 
they'll see everything on there. Awesome. Great topic. Can't wait to go to the Cornhole Tournament, the throwdown. John, with Spencer McKenzie, it's been so great for bringing you in today. Exact reason how it came in full circle to you. You started at the fairgrounds with a little truck and a dream with you and your wife and your family. How you've created into this largest Cornhole Tournament in the world. We're more excited for you to be part of it and just to continue to see that stewardship that you're doing for small business in Ventura. Give me a reminder real quick. What are the dates of the tournament this year at the fairgrounds? August 26th, 27th, and 28th. Ventura Vibes will be there, and we are stoked. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Spencer McKenzie, for coming in and sharing that great news and stories. Also on the beats are the local band Ray Fresco. Shout out to you boys for providing that tunes for Ventura Vibe Show today. I like any band with a harp. I think that's one of the great things about Ray Fresco. They have a harp player in their band, and they're cool, they're local. And once again, thank you so much for the theme song. Who is our next guest? We've got Mike Anderson today, a local enthusiast, outdoorsman, coming with his small business, Maranatha Financial. Mike, how you doing today? Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. We're super excited to come and have you share those Ventura vibes with you. We know about the cool people, tasty food, and fun times that you have in Ventura, but we heard a little about fishing. You've gotten this new hobby and passion about catching the big bass up at Lake Casitas. Tell us a little bit more about your reinvigoration of fishing and the love for the outdoors in the Ojai area. Man, I got to give a shout out to a couple friends. They, they really uh, got me hooked with this fishing thing. It's been a couple years now, and I just cannot get enough of it. It's, it's so enjoyable. Lake Casitas is a beautiful place. If you've never been there, uh, it's amazing, and, and the fishing's just fantastic. But Rick Raves is a, a, another Ventura guy. And he's got me into fishing. He has a bass boat. And I went with him, a, um, gosh, it had to be about five, six years ago. We just went once or twice. And then just over this last year, we've went a bunch. And, uh, and also a good, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Hollins, is, a, is a, a fisherman that goes fishing out, uh, out at the islands. And so he's taken me out twice. But those two times, kind of right around the pandemic, uh, just sparked an interest. And I've loved it. I've been hot on fishing ever since. Can't get enough. Now, when I was a kid, that was the go-to place for us. We lived in Thousand Oaks, so Thousand Oaks to Ojai. My dad liked to go there. We'd get a week campsite and hang out there for actually seven days. We'd have a boat, go out on the water. Back then, just had a blast. So that's like where I began in fishing. Did you fish as a kid? I didn't fish much as a kid. I had a couple outings with my dad that I do remember, but I wasn't really into it. I mean, uh, didn't fish very much at all. It's just it's kind of unique. I don't I don't know where this kind of jumped in, uh, in, in, but I just I just have loved it recently. And it is a zen, you know, effort. You know, the great thing about fishing is, are you a catch and release guy? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, ocean water when we're fishing in the ocean, some of that will will harvest and, and mm -hmm. eat. But uh, as far as Lake Casitas, almost everything is catch and release. But when you're out on the boat or on the shore, you're just chilling cast it's it is very a river runs through a type of a thing it's just nice it's a very very gentle you're in with nature uh, there's something wonderful about that like they say even if you have a day where you don't catch one you're still out on yeah. the water yeah there's something there is something special about that it's hard to describe once you're there and you're in the moment you just look and you see this is just so beautiful um, and then you have special moments as well we were out there a week ago saw the bald eagle 
Um, and then, uh, and, and also not on that trip, but another one we're, 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 we pull into this cove and there's four deer just hanging out, you know, and they're, they're 30 yards away. They're just right there hanging out and so, some grebes there, some, some ducks and they're doing their thing. And you're just right there. It's just so beautiful to be that close and everything's calm and peaceful. There's no houses you can see in sight. It's just very green right now. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. They do a good job up there as well. If you wanted to rent a boat. Like you, you can go, you don't need a boat. You can go and rent a boat and it's, it's very reasonable to get out there and get on the boat and they even have the gear as well and the tackle and they can get you hooked up. It's, it's a good time. And when we used to go out, it was the exact same thing. Sometimes off the shore, sometimes out in the boat. We love the boat because when you're kids, you like to put around. Do the kids go with you often? Yeah, I have three boys and, uh, they, they've been with me a few times, but I've learned that, um, when we go on the weekends, they kind of get mad at me because uh, they, they would much rather be doing what they want to do, which is uh, having a little bit of time on tech. So in their mind, they're missing out on their tech time on the weekends, so they don't like to go. So I don't pressure them. I, I don't want to burn them out on the idea of fishing in the future. So I, I take them sparingly. Uh, but I am looking forward to taking them April 9th. Uh, they have a, a kids fishing. This is a free event at Lake Casitas. It's kids fishing derby. It's a free event. They'll teach the kid how to fish. Everyone's going to catch fish. They're going to put 2,300 pounds of trout inside. It's like the inside of a baseball field, the size as okay. far as that. It's like 30 yards by 30 yards. They have four docks, and then they put nets down. And so the, the, the trout, they put all this trout in this area. You can't, can't escape. Kids get to fish. It's free. It's fun. Everyone's going to catch fish. That's great. In the old days, Troutdale, anyone? When you used to drive out, I believe it was on Cannon Road, and they would dig out these little things They would and have these very small ponds. So when you fish, you were just guaranteed to catch a fish. And it was Troutdale, very, very famous uh, for old school people in the greater uh, Ventura County Valley area. So they create that and then drop the nets and the trout just go through the rest of the lake. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, they, they remove the nets and the trouts kind of go. They stock the lake and that's good for the lake to do that. And it's just a good time. I know they haven't done it in the past few years. So this is um, something that's kind of a long time coming. Uh, I, we signed up, we're going to be up there and, and, uh, anyone could go sign up or you call late cause he just get information on that. It's a lot of fun though. It's going to be good. Back to 1959 when they first uh, created the dam and the lake. And it took quite a long time to fill up. And we know with the drought, it's, it's kind of gone down a bit. It was also used in the Olympics, 1984 Summer Olympics and the Gillette family, husband and wife have the, uh, the crew team out there. Yeah. Rowing. Yeah. It was big out there. Yeah, one of my good friends, uh, Don Boger, was a, he was a marshal for that rowing event in in the Olympics. He has still has it framed kind of in his in his wow. uh, house there. A nice thing from that. I like the approach Mike brings to his kids. You don't have to fish if you don't want to. Quite different approach from the father of our last speaker in John Carrion, to where his dad said he tied his foot to the pier as they were fishing. And that paid off for John, too, because he knows he's a great fisher. And you also seen John up at Casitas. John's an amazing fisherman. Yeah, he fishes in tournaments. And, you know, you see him there. He always shares some info on what he thinks the bites, uh, what, what's helping that the fish are biting. And, and he's a very nice man. Great fisherman, though, for sure. Yeah. What, what is the outlay when you get into fishing, like uh, used equipment? Uh, how, how did you approach knowing what lures to get, uh, what bait to use? Yeah, what was the learning curve for you? Well, it, when you're bass fishing, there are thousands of choices. What rod are you going to get? What's, you know, the size and length of the rod? How heavy or light is it? What fishing line is it? How heavy or light? Which bait are you going to throw? What size hook are you going to use? And all that stuff. It's good to have someone that has some opinions to help you out. But nowadays, there's YouTube. 
So the people that get into it, and this is what I did, and this is what a few other people that I know I've recently got into it, you, you just really end up watching a lot of videos, and you learn through that and just try that, and you kind of find stuff that works, and that's your high-confidence stuff, but it's very seasonal. It changes over the year. It changes over the month. It changes over the week. Um, very directly related to the weather and uh, the temperature of the water, um, whether it's cloudy or sunny, all that stuff really matters. And you kind of learn this stuff. It's, it's, it's interesting. You know, it's very interesting. Those yep. big bass are just waiting down there, looking up above you, Mike. What are you going to be throwing <laughs> down here? And uh, seriously, one of them will look up and say, you, you think we're going to bite that? I remember, I think it was Rapella. There's a couple of spinners we used to use. And the one thing we liked, because I, I'm a little busy in my head, I loved the casting, and I, I loved that. Because just my dad was the guy, drop it in and just wait. And quite often he was a bobber fisherman. But he caught a lot of fish when we went to Casitas. And we did... We did not catch and release. We consumed. So when you're camping, it was always great. That night, you had the f fish fry. And with my dad, you'd get catfish, sometimes perch, occasional, perch, occasional bass, you know, this crappie, other native fish. Yeah, all those are up there. Mm -hmm. All those are up there. And it's very bait-dependent. Whatever you're going to select to use as bait, they all pretty much like worms. So if you're using live worms, most of the people there that are fishing are not using that, though. They're using some form of a plastic bait. Yeah. And so artificial bait. And and uh, But it's, it's fun. It's really a good time, I'll tell you. And, and it, it's not what, what some people think of fishing. Before I got into it, I thought it was more of the bobber. You sit and wait and you relax. It can be that, but for most people up there, it's not that. You're you're picking targets to throw at. You're trying to cast close to them. You're trying to work on getting your retrieve back in a in a, a very good presentation that the fish will want, and uh, and so you're really working at it. You're you're active. You're busy, but it's fun. Now the lake, since it is so low right now, do you get tips on? I guess there's more snags. Maybe there's more. Uh, what we took a boat out for recreation, and this was uh, about three or four years ago, and we actually dragged bottom once when we went into one of the little fingers, and you can see where the lake was and where it is. How does that alter with the uh, veteran fishing people yeah, there? Do I they think, give you tips? Yeah, well, I think you learn different spots. You kind of, if you're targeting uh, largemouth bass, they like structure, they like cover, they like sticks, they like logs, they like rocks, they like somewhere to hide because it's an ambush predator. So it's, it's the biggest fish typically in the lake that's targeting other fish to eat. So they're ambushing them. They're hiding and waiting to, to go feed. And so that's you're looking for that a lot of times. And you can get snagged uh, at times. And as the water level changes, new structure emerges. And you say, oh, that would be a great spot. I didn't know that was there. So you can remember that for the future when the water rises. One thing that's special about Lake Casitas is very uh, clear. You can see like 12 feet right now which is in a lot of other lakes around the country you don't have that visibility you can't see so you can be up pretty close and you can see wow look down there you can see fish sometimes you can see with the, the you know the different bushes and shrubs or rocks sometimes it's interesting so interesting to go out there and just take the kids again we didn't even fish we just rented the boat half day and went around that alone was so much fun and i haven't been fishing in a while mike uh, did invite me out a couple of times i didn't go but you talked about another thing that happens around the lake, and that's something that was near and dear to my heart as a child, and that's Frisbee golf. 
disc golf. They call it disc Sorry, golf. Sorry, I, I went back you know? to the brand name, Frisbee. <laughs> exactly. And I, we were camping up there a year ago. Uh, we went camping maybe four times over the last year up there. Really, really a special place to camp. But we were camping right next to where the disc golf course is. And so we see the gr- these groups of people coming by, usually four to six people in a group. And they're just having a great time. They have their backpack. They maybe have a drink. And they're just walking and throwing these discs. And so me and a buddy said, let's go buy some. We went to the store that they have at Lake Casitas. We bought some discs. And we played. And we're like, this is actually fun. Let's do it again. He beat me. So I was oh, like, let's play again. I want a rematch. And, and it, for the next like month, we probably played four or five times. And uh, we've been playing ever since. But it's, it's, uh, it's a very fun um, kind of low-impact sport. You get some of that, that competitiveness that maybe you felt when you were younger. You get that out through throwing the Frisbee and trying to target your shot and choose which way you're going to throw it. It's really a good time. So much fun. So who is the producer of discs these days? There's, I, there's probably a half dozen different big disc companies, Dynamic Discs, Innova. Is uh, Whammo around at all? No, not in not in disc golf. So when I say Maybe Frisbee in, golf, they'll say, what, were you born in the 70s? <laughs> I could see all these kids scowling at me because I, I'm back to the old Frisbee. And do, do we know how Frisbee got its name? No. The Frisbee Pie Company, the pie company, they had pie tins. Back in the day, they had very, very rigid, strong pie tins. So kids in the Ivy League would throw them back and forth, and they would whip these pans at each other. So they used to yell Frisbee for the pie company when they threw them. And I understand it was F-R-I-S-B-E-Y. Well, somebody heard that, and they came out with their own disc. They called it a Pluto Platter. A Pluto platter, and it was it looked like a flying saucer. It was orange, the original Frisbee, and it just didn't take off at all. And somebody said, well, you know, we could call them Frisbee. So they did the double E to avoid any infringement, and that's how Frisbee started. The plastic disc was once a pie tin that Harvard kids threw at each other, and that's how the whole Frisbee craze went up, and I was all in. You talked about the history of Frisbee in Pasadena. Yeah, for, yeah, disc golf. The first actual disc golf course um, was in it is in Pasadena, and uh, I, I've never been there. I've heard about it, and um, uh, but you think of uh, the, what, what they do, and I don't know where they came up with this, but I um, they have this cage. It's like a cage, and then there's chains, and you throw it, and it hits the chains, makes this very satisfying sound of the 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 clinging of the chains, mm-hmm. and then it falls in the basket, and then that that's a hold shot. It's in, and you go to the next hole. But uh, that's where they 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 uh, have the first course. Before that, I think it was just pick targets. You you played that. You shared oh, with me before you've played that. Yeah, before. and that was the thing: trash can, tree, yeah. and you go through Santa Cruz uh, University of California, Santa Cruz with banana slugs. They had a, an original frisbee golf course there, and it was very impromptu. X on yeah. a tree, and you'd hit it. And it was gentleman rules. Okay, you hit it. Let's go. And you would carry on. And you had streets where you had to throw like a runner and spin it like a wheel. And it was really, really fun. But when I did my frisbeeing back in the day, Pasadena, also at the Rose Bowl, had the uh, frisbee festival once a year. And I went to it three times. Actually, whip it. They had the, the throw to the dog. They had ultimate, wonderful game, kind of soccer-like. So frisbee has been around forever. And I guess for about 20 years, it's been disc golf. Yeah, yeah. I got to use the lingo. I would love to see Ventura (laughs) get a disc golf uh, course in uh, Ventura proper. But Lake Casitas has an amazing disc golf course. There's also one behind Thousand Oaks High School. It's called Rabbit Flats. That's a lot of fun. It's an easy beginner's course to play with the family. Um, There's one also in Thousand Oaks called Sapwee. 
It's also a challenging course, that one. But those are the three courses in this area. Ventura College used to have a, a course, but they got rid of it. Too many people were using it over the pandemic. They pulled the, the, baskets, the baskets out. Oh. And then up, up north in San Luis Obispo, there's some great courses up there. Um, uh, their Whale Rock is a vineyard course inside a winery. They put in 18 holes of disc golf, and it is phenomenal. I've been there. It's wonderful. So what's the distance on a par? Like, what, what are you doing? Usually in- usually they're around uh, two, 250 to 400 feet. Oh, feet, I was going to say. Feet, not yards. Yeah. So, yeah, it's still a long ways out, and usually it's a par three or a par four. So you should be able to get it in the basket from where you start. And typically you're throwing the first shot from a, from a very flat piece of concrete. So it's kind of a, you have your stable kind of throwing platform. Are there hazards? Do we have trees? What oh, are you yeah. There's, tree, there's typically trees. You know, there's typically trees you're trying to navigate. Sometimes there's things called a mando, which is like it's mandatory. You have to be on the left side of that tree. And maybe it's because there's something to the right, a road or something like that. So they want you to mandatory stay to the left. Spencer, we got to do this. I know. We're talking to a grown man reinventing himself. I love to hear this, <laughs> Mike. You know, some of us stick to playing softball and basketball. But to see you go through that change as a grown man trying to find new sports, you talked about that. You can't do the same things you used to do, right? Maybe you change your attitude about being more peaceful in the lake. Maybe you can't swing the golf club because your shoulders hurt or your, or your knees are getting balky. So reinventing yourself in this great county with these activities is such a great way. That's why we brought you in today is to share some of these ideas about how other men, women, and even children, as you said, can find new ideas in the 805 to go out and enjoy that Ventura vibe. We've got a lot of great stuff here to, to, to discover. There's no doubt um, here in, in this area, there's so many wonderful things. I feel like these things found me, but I was open to kind of explore with them and, and kind of and run with it. And that's kind of what the last few years has been for me, for sure. A lot of fishing, a lot of disc golf. And so, one of the things that I like is, and I love this uh, saying, especially as you age out, when's the last time you did something for the first time? Right. And I love that saying because you look and you say, Frisbee golf, what would... Boy, do I have to start putting a dollar in, or do we play a drinking game? I cannot call it Frisbee golf anymore. How old am I? Disc golf. Uh, disc golf. But if you do something like, let's just try it, and you never know. The kids are going to love it. You're going to have some fun. So all of these new offers and options we have here. So going to Lake Casitas, great for a walk, a hike, a boat ride, some fishing, and also a really good just to get out there and uh, play some disc golf. Every great adventure and experience begins with one word. Yes. And that's what you did, Mike. You said yes to your friends that invited you to, to go fishing. You said yes to your friends that wanted to play disc golf. And look what you became now, right? So if you're out there thinking to yourself, let's go do something different. Invite a friend. You don't have to do it alone. Invite a friend. Go to a new experience and look where it might lead. That is what it's all about. So I've got to start doing things. I think it's a good plan for everybody listening to our podcast here is to take something and really give a good look at what else can you do that's new. How many times have you been to the lake and you live here in Ventura County? Harmon Canyon, you know, when have you gone to the Botanical Gardens? All of these things you can do. And right here, Lake Casitas is offering beautiful ojai and the fishing and also disc golf. They have a, they have a great restaurant there as well. Yeah. And if you here's the inside tip. If you're going up there and you're going to go to the restaurant, you get free parking. So just go up there and... Go to that restaurant. It's a great restaurant with a great view. Um, yeah, check that out. Mike, I want to say thank you so much for coming in today and talking with us. It's been go- so great to hear your experiences and your relativity of Lake Casitas and activities you can do out there. Can you maybe just give us a little more information about how we can get involved in Lake Casitas? 
Well, I would say for anyone that wants to go, definitely check it out. And if you're looking for a, uh, someone to guide you, uh, the, the local guide up there, Fred Clinshaw, is amazing. Um, there's also the Ojai Angler. He's great, too. Um, and Rich Tauber's been there a long time. But my favorite is Fred Clinshaw Fishing. Uh, he's amazing. You see him on Google. But he'll take you out and put you on the fish and help you out. He has all the gear. But check it out. It's a good time. I've loved it. I think you will, too. Disc golf and fishing, that's what we're all about here. It's Ventura Vibes. Ray Fresco is our music pick, local music pick for the day. Shout out to those guys. Looking forward to talking to everybody soon on this podcast. Have a great time out there, and let's go. Those amazing beats are being brought to that local band, Ray Fresco. Thanks, boys. Love hearing that music. At that same time, I did graduate with Roger from Vorna High School around 1998, a long time ago for me. So we're going to catch up here with a little bit of music that came from our senior year, talk about some of our favorite soundtracks, and also a favorite concert that me and Spence happened to check out in Ventura County over these last few years, walking and grunging around the streets of Ventura. Can't wait for the soundtracks. Love the soundtracks. I'm a big movie guy, and I got a bunch of them, so I'm going to have my favorite on the way. Since I'm the older one, we're going to start with my year. My year has to go back to 1976 when I graduated from high school. It's a long time ago, folks, but all you guys out there, guys and gals who were listening to the radio, the cool thing about the music back then, it was splattered with so many different tunes. The first one is the theme song from Beretta. Right, it was a TV detective show, and you will catch who's singing this song right now. It is called Keep Your Eyes on the Sparrow. The singer. Sammy Davis Jr. Whoa! Sammy Davis Jr. scored a hit with a theme to Beretta, 1976. Sammy was the man. The theme to Beretta, that was 1976. What other TV song was a huge hit there? The theme song for Happy Days. Happy Days was a hit on the radio, and this was about midterm for the show. I think Happy Days ran about 10 years or so, sure. about a decade of Happy Days uh, with uh, the Fonz and, and Joni and Chachi and Ralph Malf and uh, Potsy, Richie, of course, Mr. C, Mrs. C. I watched the show a couple of times, but that was the type of stuff that was really banging around them. But the great thing is we had some really good rock and roll songs that were hit uh, hits. Take the Money and Run, the Steve Miller Band. Everybody knows that song. Oh, yeah. Another one, Taking It to the Streets from the Doobie Brothers. Taking It to the Streets. That was the Michael McDonald phase where some people thought they went a little too yacht, but you know, before the hard rocking Doobie Brothers, that was a big hit. But this this one is really one of the, this band actually won Best New Artists that year. And here is the song. Everybody get together and perhaps uh, think about what you're going to do for lunch. Now, Afternoon Delight turned out to be uh, relations at lunch. 
That's what it ended up being. That song was cheesy and naughty at the same time. The great thing about it, the Starland Vocal Band, they're the band that, that did the tune, and you've got to go back to 1976. It was such a sensation, as much as people make fun of it, they had their own summer replacement TV show that ran for about two months. These guys and gals had a television show, prime time, all because of this song. They were best new artist of the year, and they flatlined, never to be heard of again. Where did you play that song? Was that when you're getting ready to make out or on a picnic? Or what, where was that one? It was force fed on the radio because <laughs> I'm cruising along. And, and back then, you know, we had KMET 94.7, you folks remember. And we, you know, had K Tide up in Santa Barbara, great radio station, and KLOS. But a lot of us were cruising around in cars that had AM radio. So you were listening to KHJ, 10Q, KRLA. Um, you know, some stations out here, KC-152 in the old days. But that was one of the songs that was a huge hit. That definitely brings back some memories because it was cheesy, uh, but it still makes you smile. And speaking of making you smile, Hollow Notes. That song is great no matter what. Blue-Eyed Soul at its best. Daryl Hall, John Oates, Sarah Smile. It was really my sort of my introduction to them way back in the day in 76. I saw them in concert once on the H2O tour where they had um, Mind Over Matter and all those songs that were really cool. But that's back when they were a little more maybe Motown. Okay. You know, they went into some great hits. They spelled words like M-E-E-T-H-O. Method of Modern Love. <laughs> How I can't spell, folks. That's my bad. Uh, Your Kiss is on my list. Remember that wonderful tune? Yeah. And uh, a lot of great songs. We're thinking, Rich Girl, Rich Girl. We're thinking 76, though. Your prom night spent. You got a tuxedo on. The red hair is flowing, as you've described. Free flag. For, <laughs> that's right. What song is playing for the slow dance at the prom? It would be Sarah Smile. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the funny thing, too, is for anybody who's played weddings, and, and I did a lot of that. I did a lot of DJing back in the day. Those songs were actually evil because a lot of these songs, if you feel like leaving, you know you can't go, but why don't you wait until tomorrow? A lot of these beautiful slow songs are bye-bye songs. Yeah. So when you're talking about that, what did you play at prom? Well, uh, the girl left me song. You know. So you <laughs> got to be really careful, especially when you're doing weddings. Now, I'm going to do our number one song for that year, and I love this man. It is Paul McCartney, and here's the tune that was number one, and this is when I graduated, so pick June 1976. Here we go with Paul McCartney. Some sound effects to open up, very nice. And I love this because it's an answer song. Mm. Is it a little corny? Sure, but it's fun. A lot of people thought Paul was cheesy. So he wrote a song called Silly Love Songs. What's wrong with that? Here goes Paul. Isn't that little bass line going there? It's popping along. 
Paul McCartney was number one when I got out of school. We're going way back to 1976. For Boy, I feel like Casey Kasem when I say it that way. So those were my songs. Those were the big hits uh, back then. And again, thank you very much, uh, Paul McCartney, for providing us with that lovely bit of just uh, kind of fluffy entertainment. Right? Spence, I like that going to 76. But let me take you to a little 20 years in the future in 1998 on the campus of Buena High School, the Bulldogs were romping through. And we had a year of whether the love R&B song, some other guys trying to make some power songs for the stadiums. But this first one I'm going to start you off with is going to be really memorable. You might hear it in football stadiums, but Chumba, take it away. Got it, guys. That was that song, Chumba Wumba, called Tub Thumping, the song that we can never really get out of our tongue, but really catchy, Spence. It is. It's an absolute hook, and uh, people can make fun if they want again, but when you're at the stadium, you're bouncing around. So I give that, that, that is a classic harmless hit. Yeah, it's that 90s bringing the energy right away. And in that genre as well, in that, se- in that season of songs in 1998, there were some really unique artists, especially hip-hop artists, doing some really cool remixes with songs from the 70s and 80s and that year coming out number 19 not alone did puffy mace and notorious big bring out a song itself let's play it now spence Banner around the world, nah, nah, nah. Puffy and uh, May starting off there with a little ram with a David Bowie intro song there, Spence. David Bowie, love it. Lisa Stanfield, been around the world. Both good songs sampled on that one. And uh, the Bowie song's near and dear because Steve Ray Vaughan played on the original uh, with Let's Dance and Bowie. Absolutely. And it's just a unique time in the late 90s with music catching up. Country music was bopping. Uh, there was ballads all over the place. I'm going to go into my third song, which I really liked. People might be thinking, you know what, Spencer? I didn't take you much for a country fan of this artist. But you know what? When the woman hits your heart, it hits you at a chord. So coming at number three that year and one that I really like, it's You're Still the One by Shania Twain. And we absolutely did make it, and she made it. The Canadian country star hit it huge. Not only was Celine Dion bringing hits in the 90s out of there, Shania Twain hit the top of the charts along with Leanne Rimes. 1998 was rocking and rolling for country music. But what I remember most was the dance floors. 1998, the generation, what I would say, a little pump and grind. When the chaperones let you do a little more than you wanted to do on the college gymnasium floor, the number one song in 1998 also is my favorite, the jam that you just couldn't stop to. What's next, Spence? I wonder if she could tell I'm hard right now. Hmm. Yeah. Come on, 
stop now. You done did it. Come on. Uh, yeah. All right. And that's the song, Too Close. You couldn't keep it too close in 1998 in the Boys With Necks. A one-hit wonder, but a song, Spence, that you feel in the boogie, and the boogie just keeps grooving. And the thing that's funny about that, I had a naughty song. Uh, afternoon delight, but I think yours was naughtier by the beat. I think there's more going on there than in my song. Another thing I'll do on the comparison from 76 to 98, and this is what I love about music. You know, I've never hit an era that I really made fun of. Disco I goofed with, but the Bee Gees made great songs, and, and Donna Summer made great songs. We were just rockers who were pointing at disco just to be those right. guys. But when it comes down to it, I do believe my era offered not only great songs and rock songs, but we threw on the cheese more than you guys did because you got to look at it. We had TV theme songs. We had Starland vocal bands, but we still had the Doobie Brothers and Steve Miller. And I think the the variety, not saying which one's better musically, sure. but just saying when we look back and go, that was on the radio. And when you look at something like Afternoon Delight by the Starland Vocal Band. So we both had a one-hit wonder next and Starland Vocal Band. So I love those songs. I love reminiscing about that stuff. Now, the other thing that we wanted to talk about are the uh, concerts that we've seen here in Ventura, Ventura County. Give me yours first. I'm sticking to the same area, Spence. Hip-hop was alive and well in Southern California. And a man from the dog pound named Nate Dog brought up a young rapper named Mac 10. And here they came in at the Majestic Ventura Theater, bringing their number one hit, Backyard Boogie. Saturday morning at the crack of sunrise Thank the men upstairs for letting me open my eyes It's a whole new gang for me like T. Lee It's 9-7 now and I'ma stay sucker free 805, bring in the energy right there You're thinking again, Spencer, you're in hip-hop absolutely all day, every day The nickname was Speed Dog And we were in the streets accepting that generation of culture Of rap in Southern California Mac 10 and Nate Dog brought it Spence, I'm still pumping and grinding What'd you have for me? Well, I, I was known as Fitty Spence for a little while. That was my my time in rap. Yeah, really? Fitty Spence. Fitty Spence. That's that's how I did roll. Okay, my concert that I went to, uh, going back to May of '92, May of 1992. I'm going to read some of the songs uh, that were played way back then. Wash, Once, Even Flow, State of Love and Trust, Alive, Black, Deep, Jeremy, Why Go, Improvisation with an encore from Fugazi. We also had Neil Young, Rockin' in the Free World, played by the fabulous band, Pearl Jam. I got lucky. I got a ticket when they played the theater, and I was there. I was 10 years older than everyone. This was like a bunch of 18-year-olds and me with a beer. I was uh, <laughs> around 30 at the time, and people are looking at me, why are you here? And I said, well, I really like this band, and I'll never forget. First of all, I want to play a song that absolutely rocked. And this was back when Eddie and the gang, uh, Stone and everybody, was still in flannel. And uh, this was one of the gigantic songs that blew off the stage. And this was Fifth One Out. It's a great groove. It's great lyrics. It's just 
a really good band. And the other thing I love about this band a lot, I'm really a Pearl Jam fan, is I always saw Pearl Jam stayed true. They tried to battle Ticketmaster. Uh, they released lots of albums cheap for their audience. I thought they were true to their school and what they were trying to do. Love the grunge. Love Pearl Jam. I appreciate that, Spence. You're grinding with those 90 kids just like I was, too. But to have some of your music down in the 70s and hear that you reminisce about it in that time was heartwarming because those songs have a time and date. Happy Days? Who would have thought? It was a hit on the radio. That's some fun stuff. Yeah, it's really good. So uh, great hanging out with you here on uh, our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to come back and bring it back all the time for the people in the 805 and across the world, bringing in the positive, cool people, the tasty food, and the fun times of the Ventura Vibes. Ventura Vibes.